Brooklyn, New York. I'm Adam Teeter, and this is a Vine Pair Podcast Conversation. We're bringing you these conversations within our regularly scheduled podcast episodes in order to give you a better picture of how the COVID-19 crisis is impacting all parts of the alcohol beverage business, as well as I'll provide a bit of hope and a path forward for all of us. Today, I'm talking with Eric and Will, the co-owners of Mr. Paradise in New York City, actually the bar we named best new cocktail bar in the city this last year. Uh, so I'm really excited to have you guys on because it is one of my favorite cocktail bars in New York. Um, but before we get into this whole conversation first, how are you both just doing personally, professionally, et cetera? Doing well. I know, Adam, we spoke for a second uh, before recording, um, but you know, I don't have any kids, so I feel like relative to everyone else, like I feel pretty good. Yeah. I think we're, I think we're doing all right. <laughs> Will? Really kind of just the same. Uh, Eric and I, you know, we, we opened up, uh, it was, it's just over a year ago now. So obviously it's been a very, uh, eventful and busy past year. Um, so at the start of this, honestly, it was kind of a nice little break, finally getting around to, you know, doing some things around the house, <laughs> but yeah, as the, uh, you know, kind of underlying reason for us being able to do that, uh, became a more tangible reality. It's been, it's been weird, but, um, but yeah, we're, I think all making the best of it. I think calling it weird is the perfect way to describe this, right? Like it's the only thing I can sort of say like, yes, it's all the other things too, right? It's shitty. It sucks. It's a, there's a lot of bullshit, but it's also just really weird. So th- there's no precedent for anything. So like, I think that we've been in a position where we ask friends like, you know, who also, you know, own bars and restaurants. We're like, what are you guys doing? And they're like, we don't know. What are you guys doing? You know? So I think that everyone's just in that spot where, who knows? You know, like there, there's no, there's no like guide to follow. We don't know what we're doing. They don't know what they're doing. It, it, it puts everyone sort of on the same playing field. So when this all first came to fruition, right? We started hearing about a month ago. I mean, I think we're in week six now, right? That the city was shutting down. What was your thought process? Can you sort of t- start taking us through from the very beginning what you guys were thinking in terms of what you were going to do and how it was going to impact the business? And also, I think it's worth mentioning, mentioning that you guys both don't just own this bar, right? You own this bar together, but then Eric, you own three other bars, right? And Will, you own one other bar? Yeah. yeah. Um, so like, you have a lot of places that you you had to worry about. What what was your thought process almost immediately? I think the, uh, the first big thing that ran through my head um, was the staff. Within our entire company, you know, all the bars that I have, all the bars that Eric has, we have about 120 employees. And that is, you know, it's a hard conversation to have. Obviously, you know, at this point, pretty much everybody has gotten through the whole unemployment nightmare. Um, but there was, there are a few weeks there where um, really our, our main goal, we just, we just essentially froze all of our spending across the board and we will deal with that when we come back. And, and figure out whatever deals we can. But our uh, uh, we all kind of uh, jumped to it and tried to get different ways of, of uh, sourcing income for our employees, uh, which overall has not been very successful. Uh, we did a few uh, different levels of fundraiser. We started to go fund me uh, for our entire company, which has been great. And But it's it's one of those things where no matter how much people really donate, you know, our just at Mr. Paradise, our weekly payroll is in the 15,000 range. And, you know, we're, and, and that's, that's on the low end for, right. for a lot of bars and restaurants, you know? So no matter how much you really raise, you're not going to be able to truly sustain your staff through that. Um, so what we've um, sort of leaned towards is making sure that staff has access to whatever supplies they need. So we've been essentially using our um, 
our wholesale capabilities and buying in bulk and putting together like grocery kits and just um, just packs of necessities that are able to be picked up at different hotspots around the city uh, every week. So that was, I think we all sort of jumped in on that first, but you know, our, our initial reaction was let's try to get delivery going. Let's try to get takeout going. Um, but you know, the fact is we are not only are we more bar focused at all of our properties, but everyone is kind of jumping into that. Right. So the, while people are staying home more, everyone's in a bit of a, a financially tricky situation. So they're, they're a going to hopefully be spending less and, and cooking at home more because actually the time to do that. And then also I feel like most bars and restaurants jumped into the delivery and pickup model. So the market was just so wildly saturated. You know, we set up Grubhub and seamless and ended up not even using it um, just because the logistics of actually like employing, employing someone and having it so they can't be on unemployment to cook the food X amount of days a week was just, it seemed a little bit like a fool's errand unless we were more of a restaurant concept than a bar concept. And like to add on to that, like we delivery wasn't part of our model at any of these places. We didn't offer delivery literally anywhere. So it got to a point where we were going to like, we would have to change a menu to make it more like delivery focused and, and sort of like really adjust things and bring in kitchen staff. And, you know, it got to a point, I mean, on the back end of this whole thing, there's, you know, a massive health crisis going on. And we had, you know, several employees that that were feeling like some COVID symptoms and including like, you know, our kitchen lead for Mr. Paradise. So there were, there were other, you know, hoops to sort of jump through. And we just, it just, we kind of evaluated it after like, you know, trying to get it set up. And we're like, this is just not, this is just not what we're going to wind up doing. Well, so I, I think that's interesting that you're saying this because I know in the beginning, I think, I've always referred to these loosening of the laws on, on a, if everyone's been listening to this podcast, they've heard me say it a bunch. I, I took this as like a very kind of like rotting carrot, if you will, from the government of like, oh, we're, we're not going to provide you support, but like, we're going to uh, allow you to do some things that you might not have normally been able to legally do so that you can somewhat try to stay open and like, then you can't make a decision. And I think that those sort of facts that no one is, is ordering what you guys are saying was proven today when Nielsen put out their report that what like nine only nine percent of people who are ordering food are actually adding alcohol to their food deliveries so sort of showing that this like isn't the solution so but you guys are doing some creative things like you're you're doing a, a liquor store right at least once or twice a week um can you go into the things that you did decide to do and why you decided to do those things and, and to be honest like the decision to to start doing like a, a liquor store delivery and it's we're doing it once a week on fridays is honestly purely for fun like right. the, it was it was <laughs> It was completely rooted in like, you know, we all have time on our hands. We've got nothing to do. We've got, you know, quite a few batch cocktails. We've got, you know, some managers who are healthy and, and you know, also bored and wanted to work. And we were like, you know, we, we think that this is just going to be like a fun experiment for us. And it's been honestly like kind of successful. Like we've been doing between like <laughs> 35 and 40 deliveries the last couple of Fridays. And it's, oh, it's wow. kind of a decent load. And it, it's... um it's been really fun. It's given us an opportunity to like do something, remind people we're still around and we're still like, you know, fun and, and coming up with some sort of creative drinks and creative packages for people. And and honestly, it's been a great release for us. Like, and you know, a reason to kind of get up and get out of the apartment for a bit. Right. And that's basically the reason I think a lot of um, operators have said that they have chosen to still do things is just because like, what else the fuck are you going to do? It, that's it. Yeah. So, so question for you, a bunch of, you know, some of the people that we're interviewing for this, these, this series are manufacturers, right? So 
distillers, et cetera. And they say that they're helping the industry, but I'm curious, like what you think would help. So if they're listening right now, like what would, what do you need from them? So let's say that, uh, Bacardi is list- like a, a top executive Bacardi is listening right now. What would them doing right now actually help on-premise businesses like yourselves? Man, that's a good question. Yeah, Will, go for it. I uh, honestly, um, I think kind of nothing. I a, a bit of my sort of apprehension with moving into operating delivery out of the space was showing that we were making money and having our landlord see that and having you know some sort of you know the fact that we're be, we're forced to shut down, we can kind of use in our favor in in terms of not paying rent, not um, you know coming up with certain payment plans for uh, for our vendors. Which you know when we when we shut our doors, we just we cut all payments to everything, and and the number that us and all businesses actually owe is is not going to be solved by you know if even if Bacardi were to put up a few billion dollars. And then each restaurant gets, you know, a hundred thousand that applies for this. It's going to hold them over only in sort of a minimal, uh, a minimal way. I think that supporting with product is uh, is for people who are doing the the types of things that we are doing, um, just as a way to keep your staff somewhat paid, mm-hmm. uh, not in any reliable regular way, um, would be the most impactful. I'm not saying that I don't think. Um, you know, brands raising money and giving it to operations or to out-of-work employees is a bad idea. Um, I just think the most impactful thing would be um, for them to kind of support with something that doesn't necessarily cost them money right? Um, in any real way. And, um, you know, I do love what these larger companies have been doing. And um, I'm sure it is you know, uh, organizations like the USBG right now um, have just been flooded with all this extra um, donated money and um, and donation matching that I don't know anyone who's seen a cent from that. But I, I think it's uh, it's going to be a little while until they kind of figure out how to distribute because what we have, what was it? It's close to 20 million uh, restaurant workers laid off somewhere in that in that range. So, you know, even if they raise 50 million, everybody just gets a couple bucks. And that's, I think that's the problem. There's just not with, with everyone completely shut down, like nothing is going to be that impactful. Right. You know, it's, it's just like, it's one of those things where like we've gotten some support uh, from a few brands too, especially who are like donating to our GoFundMe's and things like that. And that was really kind. And it, you know, it it does have a direct impact. It goes directly to the people, you know, that we work with and, and we like that. But aside from that, like, you know, our, we have so many like larger issues that, you know, in addition to outstanding bills and a lot of that is sort of like really looking towards the future and how our business model works, you know, in the next year or so, however long this crisis lasts it, and, you know, stuff with landlords, et cetera. Like there's, there's so many more problems that like, you know, liquor companies, you know, it, it is, it's a little unfortunate to have like, you know, thousands of dollars of outstanding bills with liquor distributors, but that's just such a small piece of the puzzle. So Speaking of the of cutting all of the bills, in terms of how you have approached landlords and uh, other imp- distributors and potentially other bills you might have had, what process have you taken, and um, what would you recommend others do? So yeah, we'll we'll be honest. We just we our bookkeeper who we love, she just issued a stop payment on like every check that we had outstanding because. The truth is, and, and I don't want to like fire shots at the distributors here, but like 
they do encourage you to order in bulk. Like there's like really high delivery minimums and they really, you know, you've got terms, you know, you net 30 days to pay a lot of stuff off. And if you're ordering everything and you're sitting and we sit on quite a bit of inventory at Mr. Paradise specifically, you know, we make things in large batches. There's reasons for it. That's kind of a problem. We'll, we'll talk about that another time. But, uh, you know, so we sit on quite a bit of inventory. So like for them to expect that, that we're going to pay that bill without the ability to be open for that 30 day period is, you know, it's just not realistic, yeah, right. you know? So at a certain point, you know, you know, we have to make decisions that said, you know, then we go to Lincoln with the SLA, we can't order liquor for anything. So, you know, our delivery operation is, is based solely off of current inventory, you know, got it, which has been fun. Like that's been part of what's made it fun. Like, like making like interesting things out of, you know, what we have, luckily we've got quite a bit remaining so we can, we can keep things like really high quality. Another, you know, a, a big part of our program as well at Mr. Paradise is creating things that are super involved and time consuming on the back end. Um, you know, we do things like where we dilute cocktails with teas and then cook them sous vide. We do milk punches. We do um, a lot of things that are sort of put together almost in their entirety behind the scenes. And then when someone orders it on a pack Friday night, they still get this, you know, really rad cocktail, but it takes them, you know, 20 seconds to get into their hand, which, you know, is, is, has worked very well for us, but it's especially working well at this point. You know, it's kind of a, a drag that we're sitting on so much inventory when we don't have any real substantial money coming in. But we also do have these cocktails that are just made. So when people order these, we have our uh, two bar managers go in, just fill up some bottles and then bring them to people. There's not really much um, effort that goes into several of the cocktails. Now, we have been doing um, more invo involved. Um, cocktail production on Fridays as well, but that does definitely lighten the blow quite a bit. Um, but as far as our um, you know, relationship with distributors and landlords and stuff, sort of our approach has been let them come to us. And they've been, they've been shockingly quiet, which has been, um, which has been kind of funny because we know that there's, there's going to be some serious negotiations that happen at some point. Right. And we've cracked the door open with a couple of them just to be like, Hey, like, you know, what are we thinking here? And, uh, and no one's really getting back to us. So I think that the landlords are, are aware that this is like a, a real crisis and, and we're sort of coming to the table lightly being like, Hey, I'm um, just, you know, in case you guys have questions, you know, and they're just barely responding. And also, you know, all of our, we had a lot of checks, uh, out when, when we had to shut down. Um, right. So we, we made the call to close our doors on Saturday. Um, with almost all of our vendors, um, well, especially our, our alcohol vendors, we are net 30. And then we have some slightly shorter terms for some beer delivery, uh, beer, uh, delivery companies and the like, you know, even with Southern and empire, they haven't really, they haven't really approached us. Honestly, the only, um, the only company that's given us a hard time, which was, you know, really unfortunate because there's over $240 check that bounced was union beer. And oh, wow. <laughs> I was very, uh, yeah. I got very heated yeah. when I, uh, when I had my rep reach out to me and tell me that since it bounced, there was a $50 check bounce charge. And, Ugh. and, you know, I, I just let him know that, you know, I will not be, once we reopen, I will not be working with them again. Um, and they were one of our two big beer distributors. So, wow. you know, I think it's, it took some people different amounts of time to come around to the whole, we're in this together without your business, we don't have business, uh, idea, but I, I feel like obviously we're going to be on uh COD with, um, 
with the SLA here when we reopen, just because we have so much delinquency. But um, I think there is going to be some pretty significant restructuring so that we can sort out some sort of payment plan and um, and get back to, to where we were. And I mean, it would be a good experiment if for us to just like try to place an order with Empire and see what happens to see like, you know, kind of how, how they <laughs> see how they like re- respond to that, you know? But I think that I think for the most part, like, you know, silence is nice right now. You know, we're not open. So like coming after us, like Union Beer did, is just like not, that's probably right. not the move for, you know, a good business relationship. But, um, you know, everyone else has been pretty quiet. Let's talk a little bit about hopefully reopening soon. If you read uh, some of these reports in the New York Times, they can make you super depressed that this could be, you know, four years of in and out, et cetera. But have you started to think about what that looks like and how you would do that, especially for all of your different venues? Um, and what would happen if you had to cut capacity by 50%, 75%? Or are those are those thoughts that you're not even thinking about yet? I mean, it, it's, it's a fun thing to, to like discuss, like how to, how to, you know, just the, the first, that weekend, right before we closed, like we, so we were open that Friday night and then we closed Saturday, like, you know, pretty early into service. We had to do this 50% rule where like, you know, there can only be 50% capacity, including staff. And so I was at the door for the entire night, just kind of like explaining this to people that like, you know, you're gonna have to wait, we're doing the 50% rule. To say it changes the vibe of a place is like the biggest understatement. Like Mr. Paradise is a pretty lively spot. You know, it, it, it feels almost like a Monday or Tuesday, you know, on Friday at like 10 p.m., which is is wild. It, to be honest, it was kind of nice. Like it was super like relaxing and it was like it was a, it was a nice thing. And obviously there's sort of this like pandemic that's taking over the city and the world. And, and so it definitely had like a different air about it that was like unique. And I think um, people were just being kinder to each other that night specifically. There is sort of that, like, like it's the same, um, I mean, obviously in a very different circumstance, but um, I've always enjoyed bartending um, during like very inclement weather, you know, when there's a blizzard and most people are trapped (laughs) at home, but some people like trudge through the snow out to go to a bar and like they work to get there and so did everyone else there. Right. And it, you know, I mean, it's not even in the bar. Like the only times that I generally just acknowledge strangers on the street is when we're like both getting soaked in a downpour or like something like that, you know, it's just, we're all in this kind of like difficult, weird, tough to navigate situation together. Um, and I'm sure we're going to have plenty of people who are not as understanding about it, but all in all, it's, it does create almost a, like a more potent sense of community inside. That said, from a business perspective, it just fully <laughs> no. doesn't work. Like, like we, you know, like, right. Like our, our rent's expensive. Like we, the, the reason why, you know, we're a profitable bar is because we have nights where we're, you know, completely packed out and it's really busy and everyone's working, you know, as fast as they can. And the place is slammed. And, and that's, that's what makes the place work, you know, financially. So like the idea that, that you don't get a proper Friday or Saturday night where it's like that means it's a completely like not viable business. So as much as like, you know, it's, it's fun to talk about like the specific feel of the place and you can really curate that. And which is, you know, I guess one perk of the whole thing. It also like would undoubtedly put all of our spots out of business. Like if, if we were assuming like the same rent and, you know, everything we're, we're staying, you know, completely as, as it was before. So we spoke a little bit before we started recording about PPP. Um, and I think this is a good point in the conversation to sort of talk about it a little bit more and also about other things we think the government could be doing and should be doing just simply based on what you're saying now, right? That like 
if a lot of these restrictions happen, which they probably should for, you know, the actual health of the society, um, there's going to have to be something that supports these businesses because we can't expect them to just reopen and come back to complete normal if everything else hasn't come back to complete normal. So what is your thought process there? Like what, what should, and what should people be doing who want to support bars and restaurants in terms of talking to their Congress people, elected officials, et cetera, like what should they be saying? I, I think every, every place's biggest bill is their rent bill. Like as, as far as fixed, you know, so this all kind of starts with like managing fixed costs, like, you know, what your space costs, you know? Um, so I think that's like the, the one thing that like is completely unavoidable. So I think, you know, step one is, you know, obviously the, the market, if no one has the ability to be packed and there's no opportunity to really make money in these places, then the rent that you're paying is not the market rent. Like these spaces are naturally going to be, you know, a lot in a lot lesser demand and, you know, they're going to be a lot cheaper for the most part. So like the, the one thing that, you know, could, could impact it just from the start um, is that. There's a lot more that we can get into that sometimes I feel a little uncomfortable discussing about, like, you know, it's the sort of updated minimum wage laws um, that have made, you know, operating these businesses a lot more expensive. Um, but I don't think that, you know, it's, it's not really fair to tackle that when, you know, those are the people who sort of make your business run, you know? Right. Um, so I don't think it's fair to get into that yet. On that same point, though, um, luckily, um, our... Um, our payroll is not necessarily a fixed cost and everybody who works for us, as, as far as I know, um, and Mr. Paradise specifically, uh, is on unemployment. So we will, as we are gradually able to reopen, you know, on a Saturday night, we're not going to need three bartenders, two barbacks, a server. We're going to need two bartenders and maybe a barback. So obviously, you know, we're going to, we're going to try to, to find that balance, um, where when we reopen, it's we're not going to be overstaffed. We're all, we also are going to try our best not to be understaffed, um, but also give um, those people that we unfortunately had to lay off. Um, we're going to give them uh, more time living on unemployment because obviously, if we hire everyone back and they're making, you know, everybody makes the bulk of their money on Friday and Saturday. It's when we get packed and we are, um, let's say, we're at capacity for ninety percent of the night. So ninety percent of the night, we will be making. You know, math is very simple. We're making fifty percent as much. So um, we um, we luckily, you know, we'll be able to manage our payroll cost a little bit more. But it definitely, you know, it, having a, a full operating kitchen um, alone is something that if you have a, a really slow night, that essentially negates all your profits for that evening. Um, so it's definitely going to be a a, a bit of a tango figuring out how to properly staff and how to pare down what we're serving so that we can um, make sure that the people who are working, working are making the most money they can, but also um, give people the opportunity to stay on unemployment for a, a period of time. Yeah. And I think with, with regard to the PPP loan and how that's worked out, unfortunately, Mr. Paradise and so the, the two bars <laughs> that Will and I are both a part of didn't get the PPP loan. Uh, the money ran out before we got it. But I don't know my, anyone that got it. So my my other two bars did get it. Oh wow! <laughs> Congratulations. Well, so but that that causes kind of a problem, right? Like it's like right. you know we're rehiring staff at some places and not other places, and it you know it it creates you know then 
we were trying to do everything for, for all the spots, like very uniform, like with regard to like closing down and like what we were, you know, the message we were conveying to everyone and like giving them advice on like what to do. And, and you know, we kind of kept it as like a blanket thing. We wanted to be like, you know, pretty uniform about the whole thing. And now we, we're kind of ruining that with the fact that like two places got it and two did it. So, you know, so PPP, as far as Mr. Paradise is concerned, is, is sort of like a, you know, a future thing. Hopefully, you know, we get approved on this next round of funding. Um, yeah. But, you know, we're, we're not even sure kind of how we're going to tackle it um, and how it's going to happen. It's crazy. It's like it's, it's the wild, wild west for everybody. It's just it's really insane. Well, guys, I, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. So I want to thank you so much for spending the time to chat with me, to be really honest about what's happening with you and your business. And, um, you know, all I can hope is that when this is all over, things come back to normal as quickly as possible. And um, I can be enjoying the fried chicken at Mr. Paradise and the cocktails again. Because, I mean, that was the best fried chicken I've had in New York City. I'm not That makes kidding. me really happy to hear. Honestly, and I'm I'm not just saying this, the, uh, the fried chicken sandwiches double the how good the fried chicken is we're doing um it's killer it's a spicy fried chicken and our um our most popular cocktail at the bar is the um the party lobster i think you had it when you were in yeah i did yeah yeah, yeah. so that um we our our whole goal with the kitchen and um all the prep behind the scenes is don't throw any edible thing away ever um so one of the ingredients in the party lobster is the brine from a uh two-week habanero and garlic ferment. Um, so that's what gives it a little spice, a little funk to the cocktail. But then we um, we take those peppers and the brine and we blend them super, super heavily. Um, or no, sorry, after the brine has been uh, decanted and we blend it super heavily with uh, distilled vinegar. And then we hang it in a super bag, pull all the liquid out and then thicken that with xanthan gum to make our house hot sauce. But then we take everything that was left behind. So like all that fermented habanero and garlic and vinegar pulp and we dehydrate it, powder it, and then dredge the fried chicken sandwich thigh meat in that. And it's that with a smoked buttermilk, smoked buttermilk ranch and pickles and uh, fermented slaw. And it is very, very good. That's awesome. I just want to, now I just want to eat that. I'm, yeah, sorry. I should, I should I have told you this in, in a month or two. When <laughs> again. Well, Will and Eric, thank you guys both so much. I really, I really do appreciate it. And um, I, I hope you guys stay healthy, safe, and all all the best when this thing is is over. Thank you so much, Adam. Yeah, I appreciate it, Adam. Thanks so much for listening to the Vine Pair Podcast. If you enjoy listening to us every week, please leave us a review or rating on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. It really helps everyone else discover the show. Now for the credits. Vine Pair is produced and hosted by Zach Jabal, Erica Ducey, and me, Adam Teeter. Our engineer is Nick Patry and Keith Beavers. I'd also like to give a special shout out to my VinePair co-founder, Josh Mallon, and the rest of the VinePair team for their support. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again right here next week.